0: Know, multiple former Phoenix Suns players obviously from 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 our job and what we do and just different guys that I know none of none of this surprised any of them when the story came out from Baxter Holmes it was like oh yeah that sounds about right or I would hear stories before this so they there in my opinion there probably should have been more players speaking up not just the employees and I I know that this included players and I know there wasn't a ton of players that 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 put their like names and and, and ideas behind it but I know that there were a ton of players that had experiences these are just the things that show up in the report they didn't get everything in the report they just got what people were willing to tell them because i know that there was so much more i do not believe that robert sarber should be uh running an nba team that's just the end that's just the nba fact i'm from phoenix i know what he's accomplished there i know that there's not a lot of love lost there from what he's done over the past 15, 20 years from owning the team. Richard
1: Jefferson, former NBA player, now uh, with ESPN on NBA Today, brings up an interesting point and also another way to to look at this whole situation with Robert Sarver suspended for a year, no contact once a new alternate governor is appointed for that year-long suspension. Uh, The role of the players, we know there were 320 interviews conducted Uh, And, you know, a lot of them, former employees, current employees, we don't know how many of those were players, right? uh, current or uh, past players. We do know a couple of past players have gone on record. Um, Well, sort of. Jamal Crawford tweeted out yesterday, Sterling 2.0. That's not an accurate take, I don't think. Uh, Jamal I've Crawford, seen this
2: movie before. Jamal, Jamal Crawford
1: tweet. played played here. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Barnes was the other one who, um, you know, on a, a radio interview um, on NB, Sirius XM NBA Radio, said uh, he believes that he should be removed. That mm-hmm. this was an opportunity that the league missed but didn't go into any detail. Matt Barnes is yeah. another guy for a short time who wore the Phoenix Suns uniform uh, under the ownership of Robert Sarber.
3: Yeah, the, the, yes, exactly, all of that. So so there's a lot of people ripping the NBA because the NBA, people viewed them as being different than the NFL. And, and in some ways they were because Adam Silver didn't have to release the report. Roger Goodell certainly wouldn't release a report and make it available to everybody online. But the bottom line is the NBA, in what they want to be, and how they want to be different from the NFL. Uh, this is a big fail for them, in at least in the way it's being perceived. Um, so I think, but I think it's also very, very clear what we talked about earlier. Uh, actually, going in and making a guy sell a franchise, taking a team away from somebody for the for being a bore, for being a jerk, for all that kind of stuff. It's it's not as easy as it sounds. It's very complicated, especially when you have when you're dealing with very prominent. Uh, qualified attorneys, mm-hmm. then they start dragging the whole league in into court. And then that's, that's something that member partners and owners don't have a lot of appetite for. Now, I'm told the NBA Players Association may do something, may take a stand, may say something, may urge something. I don't know what it would look like. But that, that to me, seems to be one of the next steps that we're going to find out in the next 36 hours, maybe, or maybe bleeding into training camp. Exactly, what do the NBA players have to say about this, and how do they want to handle this? Do you expect to hear anything from any Suns players well, or Mercury players? Now let's see, this now let now let's get local with this. So the Suns report to training camp when Vinny, 12 days. Uh, uh, media Day, September 26th, okay. 12 days from now. Okay, 12 days from now. So players are obviously going to be asked about this. And and if we've learned anything, we've learned that the, the celebrity people and the athletes that, that – that experience and interact with Robert Sarver, their experience is a lot different than most of those three hundred and twenty people, former employees, current employees who who chose to speak during this investigation. so it, the question becomes do those players look at this, read the report, and feel the the outrage, the indignation do, enough d- does it compel them? Does it move them to say we 're not standing for this because when it 's Donald Sterling and he 's doubling down on his racism and it 's caught on tape in a league that is 80% black 73 73% black mm-hmm. well that that's going to rally a league to say uh uh-uh, uh we're not we're we're not stepping on the court ever again for that man When it's this is it a, is it incumbent on the players to have to take a stand on behalf of employees in a workplace that's toxic culture. Such a hard question to answer because if, it
0: is
1: it's based on your own personal experience. And you know, during this whole investigation, people wondered, you know, are, will players stand? And and the play the current players since this investigation started have been in, so, in support of Robert Sarver. A lot of them have said, no, this this has not been my experience. But um, all organizations do this; they create this. And this might be a harsh word. They create this mirage of togetherness. Like everybody in the organization is treated the same. They're all equals. They all play on the same team. That's a that's a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. It's just not. The experience of somebody working in the business office in an organization, any NBA team, is much different from a player who wears the uniform and is making $25 million a year. It just is. I'm not saying it's right, right. but it is. Uh, but back to your point. Do players stand up in support? Um, I, I, I think that would be more apt to happen had the NBA gone lighter on, on a punishment or just foregone a punishment for Robert Sarver at all, in conclusion of this. Yeah. And, and, it, and well, I know everybody, you know, there's a lot of people that are out for blood, take the team away, take the team away. I mean, a year away from a from an entity that you own and a $10 million to the maximum fine, it's not nothing. Is it enough? That's for individuals to decide. Uh, but it's not nothing.
3: No. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I'll give you that. I, uh, I'll also say this, that when, when all this first dropped, and and Robert Sarver either solicited uh, endorsements of others or these others just willingly gave them and i'm talking about Larry Fitzgerald i'm talking about James Jones i'm talking about any member of any other of those owner members uh, Robert Sarver was denying most of this stuff at that point in time mm-hmm. and and this investigation lays that bare so if you're a basketball player i don't think you can hide on the oh well he's good to me excuse yeah. Because that there's that's a substantial amount of people negatively affected. Mm -hmm. right so you can't just I I don't think you can just look at it and go well that's He's he's been good to me I don't believe that's him because that is him
4: well in Sarver's statement he says I take full responsibility for what I've done Mm -hmm. of course in the previous sentence he says I disagree with some of the particulars of the NBA right but
2: and the initial statement from November was that story is inaccurate and misleading right and blamed it on a former disgruntled coach yes yes
3: so right so exactly you're not taking responsibility no exactly and so so, so then it becomes a matter of who is this talking to how does this speak to the key people involved and and do they have the obligation i listen that that's why people are disappointed in what the nba did because it shouldn't be on the players to have to discipline an owner but that's the case and then you got a guy like chris paul who's got great insight into this he's he he, he played for george shinn i forgot about that Oh, wow. That's right. The old Charlotte owner. Um, he, and then, of course, his experience with Donald Sterling, um, he, he was part of a, a, a crew that affected change. But that was different. As Vinny pointed out, that was they didn't come in and say, Donald, you have to sell the team. They said, Donald, you're banned for life. And then Donald's wife said, OK, I'm going to sell the team. Yeah, it was, was like Richard
4: Nixon, Nixon resigning exactly. before he can get impeached.
3: Exactly. So... <laughs> It's uh it's not over. The story is not over yet. No, it's it's not over, but I also
1: I I I mean, fast forward to September twenty sixth, the players to a person are gonna be asked about this. The coaching staff, the front office are gonna be asked about this. And mm-hmm. I, I think you're gonna hear very uh uniform, supportive uh Type of type of answer from from pretty much all of them.
3: I, I, I'm not sure. I, no? I, I I'm not sure because, like I said, I don't know if there's some moving pieces. I don't know if the NBA Players Association is going to make some sort of statement that will precede this. I, I'm not sure.
1: Well, maybe that's some of the information that comes out is yeah. is that there were former players who were, uh, but they, it wasn't in the report. I mean, there was nothing damning from a from a well, r- player in the report.
2: There was there was one thing. When he went around in the weight room, and I know I'm not supposed to get into some of the words that are used in the report, that but when true. he asked people about their parts and what they do and with that them, was
1: yeah, that was players, and that was in the something weight room that was out in the That's Baxter Holmes report yep. too, from, yes. from, from last November. So,
2: so we can't, even though. The employees, you know, in the front office, the everyday folks, are seemingly yeah. more impacted than the players. The players and, saw this too.
3: Yeah, yeah, and there's incidents too about him at talking about other players, significant others. Now you gotta yes. got to guy like Devin Booker who's in a deep love relationship. Maybe his mindset about all this has changed. So who knows? Yeah, we're gonna see. We're gonna we'll find have
1: out. Uh, more on this as the uh, as the morning goes on. Coming up next, the Cardinals were not buckled down or dialed in in Week One. Can they turn it on for Week Two? And Could their season depend on it? We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Dan Bickley Bickley. and Vince Murata. Bickley
3: and Murata Mornings.
1: Bickley and Murata Mornings here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Cardinals will be back on the practice field Today. Getting ready for week two on the road, which is kind of a, <laughs> was kind of a sanctuary for them last year. Struggles at home, excellent on the road. Lost just one road game in the regular season all last year. So, is this yeah. an opportunity? Is this when we get to see what the the Cardinals look like on full preparation? Because some of the quotes coming out, you know, when when Cliff Kingsbury is talking about practice habits needing to improve. Nick Vigil saying, yeah, the defense was kind of discombobulated early against Kansas City because Mm -hmm. it was the first time we were on the field together taking reps. I mean, that's all eye-opening stuff. Yeah, The wake-up call phrase has been used a lot in the aftermath of that game. Is this really a wake-up call? And I think it needs to be, Vic. I think you start 0-2... For any team that starts zero and two now, and there will be good teams that were considered playoff contenders that do lose um, in week two after losing yeah. in week one, and you'll hear the stats. Oh. Statistically, you can't make it back to the playoffs when you start 0-2.
3: Right. That that, that makes this game uh, very, very big against the Raiders. And and we, and we I'm really looking uh, to see how this offense is going to deal with what is a very, very good Raiders pass rush. Obviously, you've got a couple of guys on the edge. Uh, They're very good at what they do. And on top of it all, you've got Chandler Jones and 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 the motivation he is going to feel will be not unlike what he felt in week 1 against Tennessee last year when he had 5 sacks in that opening game um so I, so i think it's going to bring the best out of him and and i think kyler murray's well aware of that and so i i hope that they can piece together and put together a game where the offense looks you know competent good uh Maybe even lethal, uh, because here is what I fear. I do. I do fear something. You brought up earlier is you know. I, I was in Los Angeles for that playoff game. Everybody else saw it on television. One of the most alarming things was how little belief the team had when they took the field. You could see it, it was. Mm-hmm. It was. They were wearing it, and it and it manifested itself in a terrible performance. And they made it look a little better after the game was out of reach. But at the beginning, it was frightening how unprepared and out of sorts the Cardinals were. Mm-hmm. They weren't much better last week so so you wonder about the belief of it all the belief in it all and look it, and that's what i worry about because if you don't if you go to uh nevada if you go to vegas and fail how much confidence are you going to have facing that rams team in week three not very so yeah so i think uh, again i'm gonna i'm gonna cycle back because i i've got I, like I said, I, I've I've taken such issue with so many of the things that have been said, and and just how how self incriminating they are, and how contradictory they are, and how ridiculous they are, um, that they probably were not going to beat the Chiefs anyways. So we were probably going to be sitting here at zero one, even in a best case scenario. That that I actually believe. And so if you do believe that, then then not much else has really been lost just yet. So you've got to come and you've got to play a, a a good game against a team that's going to be playing their their is, that's their first home game, right? Mhm. Yeah. So it's, and I, and I think that environment is going to be, it's, well, it's pretty electric. And also a team that lost its first
1: game and a team, and a team, that, team that, that has expectations. Mm-hmm. He's it in a very tough division. And, it, and, uh, and a team that lost to probably a better, more talented team in week one. There are similarities here.
3: This is a big game for both of is. these teams. And Kansas City's got some weapons. They don't have a wide receiver who's better than Devontae Adams. Look, the way Kansas City
1: structured the offense and people wondered what is this going to look like without Tyreek Hill? It looked a lot different. There wasn't a lot of long passes, a lot of big, explosive plays. There was a lot of underneath. I mean, five touchdown passes for Patrick Mahomes, I think they were all <laughs> you know, less than seven yards on the day. So it wasn't like an aerial circus. Um, but the Raiders have the capability with their personnel. Derek Carr, some people love him, some people not big fans of him. But he can put up numbers. You have Devontae Adams, the best receiver in football. You've got Hunter Renfro. You've got, uh, you've got Waller at tight end. They have great personnel, which is going to be a challenge for this defense to stack up against. And, and you wonder yeah. now, after the defensive strategy employed by Vance Joseph of a, a, a blitz-heavy scheme... And again, I'm not going to rip Vance Joseph for it. I think it was done out of desperation. He knew what the numbers were. He knew what Patrick Mahomes did against the Blitz. He's trying to generate something to change the course of a game because if you sit back, you're going to get picked apart too with the personnel you have out there. But uh, I'm wondering if that's going to be the strategy again this week to try to generate pressure
3: on Derek Carr with uh, the the steady blitz and what that means for this defense, and and again, let's let's the what the other thing that you can hope for, and even though the playoff game to Los Angeles against Los Angeles is kind of the outlier, is this team for much of last year played very well on the road, and and I don't know whether that was coincidence or whether there is reasons for that because you go into hostile stadiums, you can feel that energy. And that energy is probably more conducive to an athlete than the energy currently at State Farm Stadium, which is just a little weird mix of of you know b- bipartisan fans, if you will. So so maybe maybe all the things that go into being on the road finally can get this team to lock in. Uh, yeah, I, I hope it is a wake up call. It you know? really is. It's such a pivotal game because if they win.
4: All of a sudden, you're one and one, and you're like, it's all good. Yeah, you like, you know we confidence. thought we lose yeah. the Kansas City oh, yeah. anyway, yeah. one and, right. and yeah. Hopkins, right. one, and without Hopkins, not only just
1: one one, but you've proven you can win a game without DeAndre
3: Hopkins against yeah. a, a yeah. tough team on the road, right? And so, so, and two things can be true at, at the same time. I mean, the 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 effects of game one, I would think, would lead a lot of reasonable people to question the methodology and the approach of the head coach here as it should because you can't sit here and say we're not practicing anybody we're not taking any reps we're not exposing ourselves in preseason games and then come back the next after week 1 and say well we're not we didn't we don't practice well we didn't communicate we haven't gelled we haven't had any reps well again it's we, just, it's, it's really it's
1: insanity we have not brought this up yet since we're on the subject of methodology though yes mm-hmm. we, we've had the questions about the practice habits but it's wednesday again in week 2 any news of veteran cornerbacks being contacted or targeted by the Cardinals to come in
3: and, and maybe help out? I haven't heard any. Have you? No. No. They're, th- come on, man. They're waiting on Trayvon Mullen, man. He's the answer. They're waiting on Trayvon. I mean, there's people...
1: Very close to that organization, in that organization, that wrote, I would expect a veteran cornerback to yeah, be
4: brought in this week. I'm surprised. I thought there'd be a. F- People are saying there'd be a flood of moves this week after that game. I thought by Wednesday there would have been some, yeah. something.
1: Yeah. Well, on Tuesday's normally Tuesday's the day, day for, for, for workouts and, and guys to be brought in. Because they're sure. back to work today. And maybe they're, got, they got something cooking, but we haven't heard about it yet. Uh, coming up next, Sarah will take us through the big stories of the day through the rush hour reboot. It's Bickley Mornings live from the Oc Chin Community Studios here on 98.7 FM. Arizona sports station
0: 98 7 FM Arizona's sports station rush hour reboot rush hour reboot getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning brought to you by Brooklyn betting Arizona built for America's dreams
2: Good morning everyone. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata. Mornings on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Every single day at 730, we take you through the top stories of the day. And it's pretty obvious what the top story is today. I am Sarah Kazell with Dan Bickley. Hey, Vince Murata. Hello. And Jarrett Carlin.
3: You but- think you're an idiot? I am the idiot. <laughs> Wow!
2: A recent poll. A recent poll. All right. As I alluded to, the top story of the day—pretty obvious here in the valley. The news came down during yesterday's show, but of course, we'll be talking about it all day today and moving forward. It's the NBA's suspension of Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver, a one-year suspension and a ten million-dollar fine as the result of a ten-month investigation into Sarver and the Suns workplace culture. I think it's important to note that this investigation. uh, was sparked by an ESPN report by Baxter Holmes um, last November. So that is when the investigation began. A 43-page report uh, came out of this New York City law firm hired to investigate the the workplace culture. It lists instances of racist and sexist language used by Robert Sarver dating back to 2004, which was his first year as son's owner. Um, inappropriate physical conduct with male employees, uh, treating female employees unequally, um, remarking on on their bodies, etc. Just a lot of inappropriate workplace culture, uh, workplace behavior, I should say. Now, here's ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski on SportsCenter yesterday uh, reporting on the news, reacting to the news and saying that Robert Sarver was not exactly accepting of this punishment that was handed down to him.
1: And both Baxter Holmes and I were told, you know, that Sarver was not accepting of that penalty, while many others look and feel like he's fortunate to have not lost the team or be in a position uh, for a vote to lose the team, you know, that Sarver was difficult, and talks were acrimonious between the league and Sarver uh, about either voluntarily stepping away or now uh, being suspended for the year uh, by the NBA. Uh, you know, certainly I think there's there will be more on this story as, as time goes on. I think there will still be more reporting to be done.
2: Okay, so first, before we get into more specifics, uh, we were reacting to this news as it came down at the end of yesterday's show, but now that you've had about 24 hours to sit and reflect on it, just your overall thoughts to what you have learned in
3: this report. Yeah, I think that um, a a lot of different things here. I think when you look at the the effect on the basketball team, I think there's a lot of interesting pieces going forward. You had mentioned in that uh, the Adrian Wojnarowski report that Robert Sarver went kicking and screaming into this punishment I'm not sure what I think about that I had a source who who, who doubts that who thinks hmm. that that the NBA sort of fed that to Adrian because they want to look like well look we tried and we had to fight this battle I take really? what I take away from this and I'm not saying that's true because I do think it 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 does sound like something Robert Sarver would do and I think it reveals how how solid he felt in his legal position and okay. I think I think that's the bottom line for me I think the NBA looked at what this was this legal battle and what it would look like and what it would sound like and I think they said we're not going to win this yeah,
1: I mean, hmm. what Woj reported on that soundbite there, and again, it's a statement, it's it's highly crafted, I get it, it was not consistent with the statement that was released on, on Robert Sarver's letterhead. Yeah. Um, what did I learn? Ooh, I don't know if I learned. <laughs> I learned Baxter Holmes' initial report was pretty spot on. Yeah. Because yes. right, there were times where I was reading the 43-page report yesterday, and I'm like, yep, I knew that, we, I knew that, knew mm-hmm. that, knew that, and actually, in, in some cases, with more detail yeah. than what was reported. And and that came out in November. I was told that that report was ready to go the previous summer when the Suns were making their run to the finals. Yeah, and they held off on it and added some things to it. So that was very well researched, obviously. But
3: the uh, the idea of taking full accountability, everybody wants to believe in that. Everybody wants to believe in his apology, but there is just like we pointed out, his initial reaction to this story that was substantiated by the NBA's investigation was one of, "Hey, that's that's misleading. That's not true." I'm yes. I'm the victim of an agenda right. from Earl Watson and I, I that that to me is is kind of stuck in my craw because it it's it doesn't sound like that. But again, do you, you expect a 60-year-old near billionaire to change? Well, that leads into my next question. We
2: assume that he is not going to be forced to sell, at least not at this point. So he has a one-year suspension. He will have to pay a $10 million fine, which uh, that is 1.25% of his $800 million net worth. So a nice well, little
3: slap on the wrist. You know, then let me just add this. If you if the Suns continue to appreciate and value the way they have the last 4 yeah. years, they've increased in value $100 dollars every year. His stake is 35%. So if growth remains constant, his stake in the Suns will grow by 35 million dollars in a time period in which he is gone and find 10 million dollars. Yeah. Okay. So, so you can make money better. on his investment. So yeah. That, that's why people look at this and go that's not there's where's the penalty? There's yeah. not the
2: beef. So the question is, do you think that Robert Sarver will return from his one-year suspension and just try to move forward like nothing has happened, or do you think he will consider selling the team or stepping back? Will anything change in a year is what I, I'm asking.
1: I think I there's know. there's three possible outcomes here. You you hit on a couple. The one thing that will not happen that I'm convinced that will not happen is Robert Sarver will go away for a year, come back, take over the day-to-day operations, and be exactly the same person he was. I don't think there's any chance that will happen. Now, Now, is there a chance that Robert Sarver says, you're not going to force this on me. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to tap out. Uh, yeah, there's a chance that happens, I think. Is there a chance that Robert Sarver does look in the mirror and, and takes this year, to, it, as his statement said, to grow and to learn uh, and apply those to a better workplace? Yeah, I think there's a chance that happens. But How big of a chance? Because after that, 18
2: years of this behavior, now he's going to start thinking all, about what it means look, to be a good person? I
1: I, I understand. Uh, there, there's a reason why the saying, a leopard can't change his spots. Is a saying? Is a saying. Because yeah. it at a certain point in life it's very hard to change I, and um, it, and for for some people
3: it's Damn well, impossible. who knows? There could be there could be now a series of civil lawsuits filed by oh, some sure. of these victims. There could be the NBA Players Association could get involved. We still don't know how the Suns. I, I, I'd love to hear Diana Taurasi's thought on this, mm-hmm. as as the grossest parts of of that investigation tend to kind of be among female based employees traumatized by their experience. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's who I feel really sorry for because I, they felt compelled and they felt. Comfortable that the NBA was going to do what they perceived to be the right thing, right? And they're they're just so so they're traumatized well, all over again.
1: Sure. And generally
3: speaking, when people
1: speak up on a matter similar to this, yeah, they're doing it so it doesn't happen to anybody else, right? Yeah, that's and true. They they can't feel satisfied. With this outcome that anyone on, else that, on that front, protected
2: yeah. from this, yeah, okay. So that, that leads to my final question for the Rush Hour reboot, sticking uh, with this
3: topic. Stop sneezing into your arm, Jared. <laughs> Sorry,
2: <laughs> it it's into Sorry, his arm,
3: <laughs> not all over the board. Uh, <laughs> no, he was actually doing the right thing. I just thought I. would The NBA
2: <laughs> likes to fancy itself the most progressive, the most inclusive league of the four main North American sports leagues. Does this ruling, again, one-year suspension, $10 million fine, at this point, no push for Sarva to sell the team, does that change your opinion of the NBA as a whole and how it's handled this?
1: Not really, I mean, I, it gets held up against the NFL, and I think it's certainly a more uh, you know smooth operation than what the NFL's got going on. This would have taken six low years bar. for them. Low bar, very low bar. I,
3: I don't know if it changes anything, honestly. Le- yeah, like I said, I think I think putting the report online is something the NFL wouldn't do. I, I don't think Adam Silver is happy with the resolution of this. My gut feeling, from what I've been told, um, but, does
2: he not have the power to do more than? Or does well, that have
1: to, lie within, it, again, it, it, it to lie
3: within the owners? It has to lie within the owners, right? And then, and then you have to, uh, then you have to look at what that court case would look like, and and if his and it, going back and to if, if, that, if they have... think if they think his lawyers can say there's no intent here, he's just saying these terrible things because that's what he does, and and then then you got to start parsing other quotes from other owners over the course of time, and now you bring in all those people. The NBA might be looking at this from a pragmatic sense and saying, yeah, they're they're they're. The way they're going to spin this, it's going to create a lot of head- headaches for us. How are the Suns fans supposed to feel good about Ooh, the Suns right that's now? Now, see, there's there's a question. I yeah. think the Suns fans are going to take solace in the basketball team if they can. Um, it'll be, you know, it's a lot can change in a year away. Yes, a, it, if you know, who knows?
1: Who knows? Yeah, and right now, uh, a lot of the reaction online from Suns fans is, you know, of frustration. Yeah. But you also don't have the on-court product to serve as as the
4: distraction right now either. Also, if he returns, how he returns. If he just becomes owner again but never shows up to games or anything... Would that be out of sight, out of mind for Suns fans at that point? Who knows? He's
2: still being rewarded by making money off of Uh, this team.
4: If he sells the team, he'll be rewarded, too, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Which he might do. You you never know. You
3: never know where this thing is going. Like I said, this story is not over.
4: Yep.
1: Uh,
3: Thanks, Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot every
4: morning at
1: 730 where we hit the big stories of the day. Coming up next, have you ever heard an author tell people not to buy his book? We've got a story for you next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona sports station.
0: Bickley and Murata.
1: Hash marks. Yeah, Hashmarks. at least this uh, edition of it, will focus on a former NFL player. Very prominent one, by the way. You still see him on TV all the time. Still does a lot of radio and podcasts. Brett Favre, the former uh, Green Bay Packer, Minnesota Vikings quarterback. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yesterday, an investigative report by Mississippi Today revealed that Favre um, obtained welfare funds from the state and from former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant to help build a new volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi, which is Favre's alma mater. Uh, The text messages were shown, uh, show Favre, um, Nancy New, uh, an attorney uh, uh, representative, it was uh the founder of the mississippi community education center and bryant the former governor discussing how to divert at least five million dollars in welfare funds to build the stadium one of the texts says brett Favre uh, uh t- 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 texted if you were to pay me is there any way the media can find out where it came from and from how much yeah Ugh,
3: yeah that's just gross <laughs> No, it is, and and to to be to be kind of caught in the text messages like that. Uh, by the way, the the, the re- reporter who is breaking the story has done an unbelievable job uh, piecing this all together and exposing this corruption. This is money that was earmarked for the poorest people in that state. Yes, and it ends up being funneled for a volleyball stadium. Yeah, and that Brett Favre's daughter plays for. Favre had also been commissioned Ugh. and paid
1: $1.1 million in 2017 and 2018 to promote a state poverty fighting initiative. He had to pay back uh, $600,000 of it
3: because he never gave the speeches he was paid to give. One of the most depressing things uh, very often in this country is money that is earmarked for poor people and peop- and things that really need it just gets siphoned off it's like like the PPP loans is that what it was remember that stuff mm-hmm. uh-huh. didn't like Tom Brady have like some outrageous figure in that oh yeah yeah it's th- this is this is really but as a story of Brett Favre this is really really it's awful this is a terrible thing uh for Brett Favre who is just who you know during his time had this legacy of this gun-slinging good old boy quarterback. Yes. And everybody loved him. And what really got interesting about this story is in the wake of this being caught red-handed in, in, in a griff like this, Jeff Perlman, who wrote a book on Brett Favre, went on Twitter and told everybody, do not buy this book. Yeah.
1: Um, Jeff Perlman, in a string of texts said on the day of extended Favre revelations, I want to share something. I wrote a biography of the man that was largely glowing football heroics, overcoming obstacles, practical joker, et cetera. Yes, it included his grossness, addictions, treatment of women, but it was fairly positive. Uh, and now look uh, now looking at it, if I'm being brutally honest, I'd advise people not to read it. He's a bad guy. He doesn't deserve the icon treatment. He doesn't deserve acclaim. Image rehabilitation, warm stories of grid glory, his treatment of Jen Sturger was inexcusable. And now taking money that was designated to help poor people in his state and funneling it to build a blanking volleyball arena is so grotesque, so monstrous. I don't know how someone like that looks in the mirror. Uh, So sincerely, don't buy the book. Don't take it out from the library. Leave it. There are so many better people worthy of your reading hours, of your time. I prefer crumbs like Brett Favre shuffle off into the abyss, shamed by greed and selfishness. (laughs) And that book came out six years ago. Um, So it's not like it's been on the shelves for decades and don't read it now. I mean, I I was taken aback to see Jeff Perlman. uh, Yeah, yeah, listen. You know, and we've had Jeff Perlman on the show. Mm -hmm. When he dives into a project, he goes all in. Just hours and hours and hours of research. That's years out of his life that he's just... Erasing, he wants to erase from people's memory. Well,
3: yeah, and, and and I think that it it that's a I thought it was a real appropriate and and cool thing to do as an author of a guy just saying, listen, I I I was part of the issue here. I was part of the problem of of this of this. Let's let's create a hero culture among professional athletes.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're a sports fan and you root for for players, chances are during your your time as a sports
3: fan. You've put support and rooted for some pretty horrible people. Yeah, yeah, right. And so we had mentioned earlier. You remember Jen Sturger, the, the who rose to prominence as at a Florida State game. You remember that? Was, yep. Wasn't Brent Musburger like leering yes. at her, yeah.
1: drooling
2: on the microphone? Ah, ah, right, yeah. Right. And then talked she, about
1: how the enrollment just increased at Florida State. Yeah. Uh, because of because of her. And, and, and then there became was a time
3: in, when Brett Favre. How, how do they say it? Slid into her DMs. Is that what she did, Sarah? Uh, yes, did? it was her. It was her text
2: messages. Yeah. Yeah. He got her number from someone in the Jets yes. organization. She did not contact him, by the way, is a detail that I feel like a lot of people have lost since that happened in 2010, or well, since we learned about it in 2010. He
1: contacted her. And because she resisted his advances, which included lewd pictures,
3: she lost her job with the New she York She lost Jets. her job. It, it, she uh, she put forth a Twitter thread that was just, it was so compelling and and so, it, it just, again, it, it just speaks to the awful nature of Brett Favre.
4: Yeah. This also shows just be careful who you worship.
3: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Except for me. <laughs> Jared's to totally clean. I'm, totally. I'm, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just reading the text right now. If you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? No, Mm -hmm. we've never had that information publicized. I understand you being uneasy about that, though. Let's see what happens on Monday with the conversation with some of the folks at Southern. Maybe it'll click with them, hopefully. Okay, thanks. Then uh, a day later, wow, just got off the phone with Phil Bryant. He's on board with us. We will get this done. Brett
4: Favre responds, it's awesome. I needed to hear that for sure. I wonder if the Packers will distance themselves now from Favre. Because they're all about the history and the legacy and the the legendary franchise and stuff. Yeah, and he's still I, by I, some fans yeah, viewed as
3: the, non, the guy. Yeah, but yeah, you know, does he become persona non grata? I, I, listen, there, this is gonna. I think this is gonna get bad for him. This is. I mean, y- you're pursuing federal welfare funds. Ugh. Wow. <laughs> Taking money from people who truly, truly
2: need it. It's the opposite is yes. uh, Robin build Hood. A
1: volleyball Steal skating. from the rich to give to the poor, Is Brett Favre stealing from the poor to give to the volleyball.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because yeah. my daughter plays there. Right,
3: right. It, That's uh, yeah. so disgusting. Coming it up is.
1: next, we uh, hit the 8 o'clock hour and do it in style. Bix has got your blast. Straight ahead, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.